Yeah, so it was quite a ball. I don't know if you watched that last night, the second T20. The Aussies won by four wickets. They needed 14 runs, I think it was, off the last couple of overs, chasing down the total. And uh, wrapping up the multi-format series, there's another T20 against India. Our girls will... Oh, am I allowed to call them girls? Yep, yeah, of course I am. Um, ladies, women will play tonight. Um, although it's a dead rubber, pretty much. The, uh, the Aussies have, have wrapped up the series. So uh, Scotty Bailey is joining us on the line now. We're going to talk a fair bit of footy. Um, um, still, there's some fallout from the Panthers' um, NRL uh, title uh, just on cricket. Firstly, Scott, did, were you watching that game last night? Did you see that delivery? Yeah, geez, that was that will be ball of the summer. I think it's <laughs> ball of the century phrase already came out. I mean, it was funny, right? I was saying to someone today, like Alyssa Healy sort of, Walked off. It almost had you know, Mike Gadding kind of look on her face. Yes. She looked at the big screen and just going, what on earth just happened? How on earth did that happen? So it was pitched about, I don't know, a foot and a half outside off. Cut back at, I kid you not, it would have been at 45 degree angle and, and took out middle and leg, I think it was. It was almost unplayable. And, and at a perfect length. Like she had to go back to it, but it wasn't real short. Like, it was that was yeah genuinely unplayable. I don't know what she could have done to that ball. You could almost say, "Oh come on, umpire, that, look, that's not fair." <laughs> can, I, can, can I just stay here? Uh, can I just stay? Just on that too, and Elise Perry. So she is our most uh, capped player of all time now. Yep, for Australia across all three formats, and also the leading wicket taker for Australia across all three formats, I believe. So um, the bowling hasn't been what she would like of late, but over you know her. I think this is a 15th international summer over a 15th uh, season. Her bowling's probably, or certainly started as a strong point now. She's probably more of a batting all-rounder. There's, I guess, questions over whether the all-rounder tag will play for the rest of her career, but even even if it doesn't, I mean, mm. uh, her batting's still as good as anyone else in women's cricket, really. Stay with cricket while we're on it then. Um, we'll talk on talk some, some Panthers and some rugby league and expansion in a moment. Just, just back on cricket, though. So... Um, well, well, now we've got the official word from uh, the Wales and England cricket board that uh, it's all going ahead, the Ashes, but still some provisos or provisions that need to be made or conditions that need to be met. And I guess still the the venues um, up in the air somewhat still, but in terms of Perth, uh, um, Adelaide should be fine. Sydney should be fine. Uh, Gabba should be fine. MCG should be fine. Yeah, I was talking to Cricket Australia about this during the week. They're still really confident that Perth won't be a problem. I don't know that I share their confidence. Um, mm. No doubt going to be some challenge, obviously, at the moment. Uh, closed borders from uh, Sydney to Perth, and there's just five days between the last day of the Sydney test and the start of the Perth test, which is the fifth test and final test of the summer. Um, there's a number of options there. Look, they one thing that has been happening in the AFL, um, let's believe, is that players have been able to play while in quarantine. So... Uh, there you know, is no reason why I guess that test couldn't go ahead if they got that exemption, but it would mean some pretty stringent um, you know, rules put on both teams and whether England would agree that's probably another story. Uh, you know, potentially the WA government could give further allowances and it may not be an issue given they're still going to be living in something of a bubble while playing this series and getting tested very frequently. Or, you know, worst case scenario which Cricket Australia probably don't want right now that you know is moving that fifth test to either a second test in Sydney um, or Marnica Oval getting its maiden ashes test or even Hobart getting its maiden ashes test. So there's still a few options on the table and I think that will be probably the most interesting thing to play out over the next few months as far as the ashes, or at least the 
COVID side of ashes, the Ashes goes because, I mean, England will come. They, the, the key thing for them was getting um, the second group of families being able to fly straight into Victoria so they'll spend Christmas uh, with the players and that was pretty much the, the main thing uh, for the English players. I guess what adds another layer of um, complexity to it is the fact that the Perth Test is, is the final of the five uh, Ashes Tests. Yes, so uh, although I guess that probably makes it slightly easier, um, you know, to move at the last minute. You, you're not sort of mm. changing as many other things as far as border closures and whatnot goes. And, and Perth, I think, or WI, I think we can all safely say is the trickiest of the states as far as the borders go. Although I guess the one thing about WI is that you know they're pretty consistent. It's not like the borders change every two minutes; they just stay shut, <laughs> like some other states. So, so maybe that's one mm. um, extra thing. But yeah, the other—I mean, the other concern the England players had was, you know, they see there was a Sheffield Shield game called off at the last minute up in Brisbane a week and a half ago, where Tasmania uh, got home in, in case you know the border was going to shut to them. And there, you know, there's plenty of talk about Australia's policy on this and um, the snap lockdowns, which. I guess, continues to raise eyebrows over there where they're just living in very different worlds, I guess. But um, they, they you know, were concerned about the prospect of being thrown into very strict bubbles. That Obviously, that happened with the Indian team last summer with the Sydney and Brisbane test. So Cricket Australia, sort of Nick Hockley, CEO, tried to allay those fears a little bit in two meetings uh, last weekend where pointed out the vaccination rates were going up and governments were becoming... Uh, will slowly becoming a little bit uh, more open, I guess you should say, or, or mm-hmm. less likely to lock down. I mean, Queensland was a good example of that last week in the lead-up to the NRL Grand Final. So, they, yeah, they, they, they're able to give them a bit of confidence there. I'm uh, talking to uh, to Scotty Bailey, um, Sports Journo. Chris Warren with you, by the way, here on Sports Central. We're here until 4 o'clock. We've just touched on a bit of cricket. Let's turn our attention to to rugby league and expansion has been the, sort of the big story in the week after the uh, the grand final win by Penrith. We'll talk about the Panthers as well shortly, Scotty. But um, so mm. so this is where we are at uh, in 2023. A 17th team will come in. Um, we believe it will be Red um, Redcliffe Dolphins, and what they're going to be named is is yet to be confirmed. Two other bid uh, bidding um, or bids are still not giving up hope. The expansion. Assessment committee, I believe, is now mulling over it. So, where are we up to? They've got a. Am I right in saying those other bid teams have got a, a day or two to to make a final argument to try and make the ARLC change its mind? Yes, and that's going to be a very very tough task, I think. Um, but yeah, that's where it's at. The expansion assessment committee, as you say, is in their hands at the moment. They'll then make a, a recommendation to the. ARLC, and from there uh, it'll be announced. So it has to be announced before October 31 because that way it allows the 17th side to enter the market just like everyone else on November 1 for 2023. But uh, look, I think it'll be done this week. I'd be, I'd be very surprised if it wasn't done this week. They they told the existing 16 NRL clubs in a meeting on Thursday that you know it was happening. That, mm. it, that, you know, it wasn't guaranteed, but it was certainly spoken about the way it was. And the clubs have kind of now got past the point that's happening and now trying to make sure they get uh, extra funding in the next cycle, which also starts in 2023. So the addition of $100 million from Foxtel over five years is pretty crucial in all that because it means that there'll be no uh, drop in funding to current clubs. Um, so that, that's that been crucial. Uh, the other thing the NRL was pointing out to me the other day that they're going off is they reckon they've got 
data that suggests there's 200,000 NRL, oh, yeah, NRL fans in Queensland who don't support a side at the moment. So mm. their goal and their belief is they can turn those 200,000 NRL fans into 200,000 mm. Redcliffe fans. Or if they go elsewhere, the other franchise, I think it will be Redcliffe though. So that's a big part of it. And I guess the other big part is that if there is one extra team in southeast Queensland that you know, theoretically means less free-to-air games for the Brisbane Broncos, which would drive up KO and Foxtel subscriptions because that's the way that Broncos fans are going to be able to see their team. And in turn, the money goes straight back to News Corp. So that's mm. why News Corp are pretty keen on the idea. Yeah, well, and then there's the argument today. I see comments by uh, Nick Politis saying, why don't we just go to 18 teams straight away and have an extra game? Every weekend, yeah. which is worth about two hundred and fifty million dollars in in broadcast revenue over over five years, and you know it's not silly. Um, you've got to listen to anything Nick Nick does say. I guess you just mm. the old question comes up again: is is the talent being spread too thin? What What do you think? Is there enough talent? I reckon there would be. I reckon there would be. We, yeah. used, to, we used to have twenty teams. Remember, once upon a time. For a little yes, while, we did. <laughs> but that didn't that <laughs> didn't end that didn't end too too well. Look. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, th- then the question is, where, where is that ain't team? Like personally, I, I really, really believe it should be Perth, but mm. I, I don't think that'll happen under the current administration. Peter Volandi's made pretty clear he thought he doesn't seem to be a fan of it, does he? No, but I mean, look, you look. I at think the we should take Pete like, over to Perth and take him out to Rottnest Island and and wine and dine him and just uh, show him what what a great part of the world it is because. Uh, Oh, yeah, I'm like you. I'd love to see it go back there, but uh, well, you, you that look ship at the may numbers, have sailed. Yeah, but the participation numbers in Perth are, and this is going back pre-COVID, they're very similar to what they are in Victoria, um, you know, junior participation numbers. And, that's, you know, Victoria's had a team for 20, what are we now, 23, 22 years. And yeah, I guess the difference and, is, yeah. mate, the difference is, though, with Victoria and Melbourne Storm, they've already always got a couple of feeder clubs generally from, from Queensland. And, yeah. and, you know, it's only an hour and a half, two hours on the plane, whereas, and it's not that mm. expensive. Perth was logistically, exactly right. logistically, it's a long old haul. And um, and I think people misunderstand, too. A lot of people uh, believe that, you know, Western Reds went down the gurgler because of financial mismanagement. That can that's not true at all. That's not true at all. They were actually doing mm. quite well, and I know pretty well because I was I was working for the club uh, in a marketing capacity. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Nineteen ninety four. I, I went over there and helped set the club up um, commercially off field, doing some of that stuff. I was fresh out of uni, but our, our crowds were good first year. You know? Yeah. Um, we had a, I think about fifteen thousand there at the Wacker for the first game against St George, um, mm. the Dragons rather in nineteen ninety five. And I, I still think, but the trouble was the Western Reds, they also then had to pay for every club to come over mm. out of their own coffers. You know, not just one team, but two. We had reserve grade as well. We had to put them all up, you know, 50, 60 or 70 of them in a hotel every second week, pay for that as well. And then we had to foot our own bill, I think, as well, when we went back and, and every other week to play. Same deal. Yeah, which oh, which mate. obviously wouldn't happen, you know, now. And no. not to mention that, your cause wasn't aided by the fact that three weeks into your um or three weeks into your first season, Super League war starts and well, yeah, that's you the, know, thing. the view of people in rugby league, you know. And there was no so, well, no so. such thing as a, a thirteen million dollar grant for each club. No, no, exactly. I mean, my goodness, yeah. how things might be yeah. if under the current situation, if Perth was brought in under the under the current um you know level playing field, 
I bet you it would be a success with with that sort of um, mm. support. We'll move on, mate. Penrith Panthers. Um, what what happened with the trophy? Why why was I not aware of that? Was I <laughs> have I been living under a rock for a few days? <laughs> mate, it was some pretty decent news on Friday. I mean, look, Penrith argue that the trophy breaks every second year, and there's been more damage done in the past. But it's the photos of the you know of Arthur Summons and Norm Proven in a pram and in a baby carrier that. I think have really peeved <laughs> off the NRL. <laughs> that's, what, that's what's done the damage. Oh, and that's what, the NRL really unhappy about it. I, I talking to them mm. the other day. They're, they're fuming about it. They're obviously after a please explain. And I think there could be some kind of fine tender down there. But, mm. you know, Penrith will say, well, it happens every year. There's a, you know, there's a great story I'm sure people can find of George Bailey talking about trying to fix the Cricket World Cup trophy in 2015 before a, uh, mm. before yeah. a you know, a... Uh, Mar- oh, not Mar- sorry, a, you know, a celebration, uh, public celebration. So it happens all the time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we, we saw last year, didn't we, in the, um, was it the Super Bowl? They were throwing the trophy from boat to boat, weren't they? I mean, yeah, look, stuff yeah. happens. That happens, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Look, it's not the crime of the century. It hasn't, hasn't been no. a great week. What might be the crime of not the yeah. century, but I know a lot of people have raised their eyebrows and frowning on, uh, you know, the comments social media Tyrone May made. Um, he probably yeah. needs to eat a bit of... I don't know what the word is, humble pie and, and show a bit of contrition. Um, away from Tyrone mm. May, though, there are other comments um, you know, around Viliami Kikau. Do you, do you sense there is a feeling that the, the Panthers you know, haven't won additional fans with their post-celebration uh, and, and, and what they've done after winning the trophy? Oh, I think that's, I think that's certainly fair to say. Yeah. Look, I've always been a defender of the Penrith, oh, I should say all, but, you know, the majority of the Penrith guys, and they've copped a fair bit of flack over arrogance and and whatnot this year. I thought that was largely unfair, but mm. look, they haven't covered themselves in glory in the past week. I think, you know, it is an example of a of a young team who doesn't have a player over 30 and yeah, doesn't have people saying, look, just put your phones away, boys, and, yeah. and so, get off social media. Like, you can have plenty of fun without social media. I think that's yeah. probably the, the biggest lesson in all this. Um, yeah, the Tyrone May stuff was very disappointing. Uh, and I... Yeah. I think I'm going to be stunned if the NRL does have some kind of look at that. It sort of been hard to investigate while they've been partying, but I wouldn't be stunned if they had some. I think they uh, might. Didn't have some kind of look at that. I think they might. Yeah, I think they will. Winning a winning a premiership uh, during COVID times. Um, well, I guess you've got to deal with it, haven't you? But they would have, you know, would have made a lot more money, I imagine, outside of COVID, oh. wouldn't they? Yeah, talking to people at Penrith, and the feeling kind of is, well, there's no bad time to win a premiership, right? You take them when you can get them, but there's better times than others, and this is certainly not one of the better times. So, for example, you know, they're a club that's largely funded by their leagues clubs. They've lost $40 million in taking in the past, well, during lockdown, but none more so than in the last weekend where they reckon they probably lost about $5 million, or what would have been $5 million in takings over the grand final weekend, and you know, the couple of days leading up to it. So that's that's pretty drastic. Um, Merchandise-wise, they'll probably come out a little bit behind, but not as far behind. They all report that it's pretty strong, but even just down to prize money. So NRL prize money is usually $400,000 winning the competition uh, due to COVID and, and cutbacks. It's only $200,000 this season. So, um, yeah, they've actually, you know, obviously they're not complaining. They're quite happy to win a premiership when they do, but they've probably picked a bad time to have their two years of dominance because, you know, the other thing too is they've, They've sold out every game that's been, well, every one of their home games in New South Wales, dating back to last, well, since since you know we resumed last May. Um, obviously, cap caps crowds and lower crowds, but no one mm. else is doing anything near what they've done. So they've they've lost a lot of money they would have had in the last eighteen months.
you know, because mm. they've had their success at the, the wrong time, so to speak. Oh, well, as you, as you, as you say, you know, there's never a bad time to win a premiership. Uh, Scotty no, Bailey, well. thanks for jumping on the line, mate. Always good to chat. Um, we're, we're here next weekend. If you're around, we'll have another, another natter if that's okay with you. But uh, um, thanks for taking time out to join us. Sounds great. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it, mate. My pleasure, mate. No, thank you to you. Um, and thank you to everyone that, that jumps on the line and, and has a chat to us, including you guys out there. Don't be strangers. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. I won't bite. May not agree with you, but uh, throw your thoughts and your opinion my way. Um, as I say, when I'm presenting higher ground, get off your pain house and give me a call. We're going to chat to Albie Tallarico next. He's a director of the Newtown Jets, and uh, we have a quick preview of, uh, well, I guess the Q Cup Grand Final this afternoon and, and reflect also on the Super League Grand Final, won this morning by St Helens 12 points to 10 over Catalan Dragons.